First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord and welcome everybody to our Bible study tonight. I hope everyone's doing really well and that the Lord is treating you real good. Hope you're being good to your parents and to your siblings and to your children. Um, and that means all of you, right? Including Jordan and Wyatt. <laughs> I have an interesting text for you tonight. I'm going to address the subject that uh, you all have heard about and, and I'm sure familiar with. And um, I want to add a little bit more color to it tonight so that we can go for a deeper understanding. It simply is this, Exodus chapter number 20, verse 8 and 9, and then we'll jump down to verse 11. Exodus chapter number 20. So yes, we are talking a little bit about one of the commandments, uh, one of the Ten Commandments tonight. Here begins the reading of God's Word. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work. Now verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's go into the New Testament. In the New Testament, Matthew 11 and verse 28 says, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you will labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is that you, Sandra? That's a lot of noise. Yeah, sorry. All right. Matthew eleven twenty-eight says, Come unto me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so my subject tonight is the Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest. In Exodus 16, 22, we read about how God declared to the Israelites that the next day would be a Sabbath day. And they were to go out and gather bread, the manna that was falling from, from heaven, miraculous manna that God provided for them so that they would have something to eat. They were to go out, pick it up, but should also only pick up that which was needed. The Bible says that they were to bake it and then boil whatever else they needed to boil, such as like meat or whatever, the quail, in advance. So that on the Sabbath day, they wouldn't have any work to do, that they could actually rest. In Hebrew, the word for Sabbath or the Hebrew word for Sabbath come from the word that is pronounced Shabbat, which means to rest. Now, a few chapters later in, in Exodus 20, we read uh, in our um, Ten Commandments, which we read for our text, I'll read it again. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a rest day, a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. Neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Why though? 
This reason is unusual, and he repeats it. He says, for in six days, this is the reason, in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And again, later on, if we keep reading in Exodus, we get to chapter 34, verse 21, we'll read again, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. And he goes on to elaborate. He says, even during your plowing season and your harvest, you must rest. That's Exodus 34, verse 21. And I thought during the plowing and the harvest, this is an agrarian society, right? Yeah. And I believe that this points to something more important. He says that even in the midst of your career, your busy holiday season, your celebratory seasons, and when things are super busy, it is still important to take a day of rest in the middle of it and to remember what the Lord has done in your life. In scripture, the Sabbath is described throughout the whole Testament as a day of rest. The Bible says in, in, it's, an, it's a lasting covenant. It's a promise between God and his people. And in Ezekiel 20, 12, we read, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between us so that they would know that I, the Lord, made them and that they are holy. And of course, in the New Testament, Jesus did some non-traditional things on the Sabbath. Like we read of him picking heads of grain uh, for the disciples when they were hungry. And then he went about healing people on the Sabbath, which was, as you know, against the Old Testament law. When he was criticized, this is how Jesus responded. He said, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. Mark 2, verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the author, Nancy Ray, she, she wrote this. She said, the God of the Sabbath is our rest. Not the Sabbath itself. It's about your relationship with God. It's not a law necessarily in and of itself. And that struck me. That struck me because, you know, some may say, I know it's part of the Ten Commandments. And is it really applicable for today? Isn't it a, an ancient practice? And I would argue, well, certainly it was given as a, as a law, but the Bible is very clear that it is a gift. And it is a blessing. And he also said that it's a lasting covenant between God and his people. And we are invited to be a part of this Sabbath, even today. The Sabbath is an opportunity for us to rest in, to meditate on, and to focus on the things of God. Now, I know that there are certain, certain churches, even and even uh, our Jewish brothers, they, they, they hallow. Friday night to Saturday, that is their Sabbath. Uh, after the sun goes down on Friday, no work at all. Nothing, right? They don't turn the stove on. They don't turn the light on. They don't start the car. Nothing, right? 
I think it's more than that. I think if you read the Old Testament carefully, I think you would agree that God is looking for a more intimate communion with his people, which is why he blessed that day and say, come nearer to me, come nearer to the fire. I think it also points to a foreshadowing of the rest that he had already given to his children. That word rest there mean that, that he wanted us to realize that, that he wanted us to rest in him. In Hebrews 4, verse 9, we read, There remains, then, a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest and rests from their works, just as God did from his. So it must mean that God's salvation plan and ultimately our entry into heaven is the ultimate rest that he's referring to here. So that's what struck me. I think I think it's not just Friday night, Saturday, don't do any work. I think the Sabbath that the Lord is referring to is a rest in him, uh, a relationship sweetener, uh, a break from the business of life, a, a turning away from the craziness of your day, your family, your work, and just spend some time with God. Right? If you feel worn down by the frantic pace of your life, the obligations of work and family and ministry, are you making enough time to slow down and really focus on the things of God? This gift of some amount of time, maybe a day, let's call it Friday night to Saturday, to simply dig deep and be with the Lord, or maybe even be with your loved ones. It's not very clearly understood by a lot of people who practice Shabbat. He's inviting us into this gift through several biblical authors. He explains it. He offers both theological and practical reflections on the Sabbath. If you were to read the scripture carefully, I want to give you two thoughts and spiritual realities around the Sabbath that that affected me when I was doing the research for this study. Number one, I learned that leaders must take time to rest and delight in God's handiwork. Kind of like what God did. Six day he labored, and on the seventh day he, he folded his arms. I'm saying, yeah, that's pretty good right there. And he reflected on the work that he had done. If you read Genesis 2, verse 1 and 2, God himself rests on that seventh day of creation. It's not like he was tired. He, he rested to simply demonstrate to us how he delights in the wonders that he had created. And I believe that we should do that as well. Uh, Christians are often struggle to delight in God's work in their lives or in the church. It's hard for them to delight in the wonderful works of God right, right before our eyes. It's displayed. God's saving people. He's healing people. He's encouraging and motivating people. But we are too busy 
as a society to notice God's handiwork. Whether it's the constant urgency to do something next, maybe write another Bible study, to, to make decisions about what's going on in the church, church ministries, to care for those less fortunate, to face tough family decisions, to, to handle circumstances that are maybe even urgent, right? All of these cares keep us from delighting in God's handiwork. It becomes, it becomes just another task for us to do before we, we fall over and crash. Now, I, I'm surely not as busy as Pastor Nathan on the weekends, but let's, let's just agree that we are busy. And if you try on Sunday to put one more thing on my plate or even Pastor Nathan's plate, I know this for a fact, something else will fall off because we are that busy. Now, the Sabbath calls us to slow down and receive this time frame of rest as a gift to take time and be delighted in what God is doing around us. The Sabbath invites us to linger a bit in our conversations with him. Like, like back in the day when we used to go to the altar and the Lord would move and we would stay there and bask in the presence of the Lord and the Shekinah glory would fall upon us and, and the hair on our arms would raise up and we would feel the warmth of his embrace. That's kind of a Sabbath in and of itself. This is, it's this sacred space that opens up where we can ponder the wonder of what God is doing. He has given us this, this, this majesty to share. It's a sacred space to play and laugh with our children when they need it. That's a Sabbath rest. It's even a sacred space to remember that the ministry he has called us to is a gift, not a chore. When we take one day a week to delight in God's work, to rest and to reflect, we, we, we develop eyes that are more likely to be delighted the rest of the week. The Bible study and the sermons we prepare uh, is food for the hungry. It is uh, water to the thirsty. Uh, the decisions we make create spaces for people to know Jesus's forgiveness or to offer forgiveness ourselves. When we care for people, we are caring for Jesus and ourselves also. We are kinder, more gentle. We do more good. We are more patient, more long-suffering. We exhibit meekness. We, we, we uh, love more deeply. We experience joy more purely. We forgive more freely and quickly. And our hearts are at peace. Second, I noticed that leaders are not ultimately defined by their work product. And as Christians, we need to think about that as well. What God is calling us into is worship, not production. God's not wanting us to work and compete against one another uh, in a competitive uh, commercial manner. 
in Deuteronomy, the command, the commandments, including the one that calls us to honor the Sabbath day, are preceded with a reason for taking them seriously. And the only reason given is in Deuteronomy 5, 6, he says, I am the Lord, your God. I rescued you from the land of Egypt and from the place of your bondage from slavery. And so as a slave in Egypt, all Pharaoh cared about was how many bricks you could make. But God, he delivered you from that. And he invites you to a day of rest all because he loves you. And he's not uh, dependent upon what you can produce, what you can, uh, uh, how many bricks you could make, for example. And so we practice the Sabbath as an act of trust, a time of focus, a time of concentration, a time of thinking about the things of God. I mean, we, we worship now on Sunday and mostly on Sunday we worship all week, but we set aside this day of Sunday to worship as our Sabbath. And what we don't want is to use that time to try to impress our friends or our bosses, our peers, with the, the amount of work that we can do on Sunday. When life and ministry appear to be flourishing, we often don't even notice how much we've become dependent on our accomplishments. But when life and ministry hits a dry patch, we can crumble on the inside. And you ask yourself, am I, am I still valuable and respectable in my church? Even when things aren't going that great, key members are leaving for one reason or another. Is God disappointed in my lack of production? Do others think that I'm wasting my time? These questions arise out of a production and consumer mindset and culture. I, I think of them as the voice of Pharaoh, where his solution is to work harder to make more bricks so that he can look great. But instead, God says, stop working, slow down and rest in me. Why? Because I love you. Focus on me for a while. The ministry is too big alone for you alone to do. The work is never done. You don't choose whether the culture is receptive or hostile. Take a day to remember my love, he says. For you, it's not based on the outer marker of success. And if you do that sincerely, it will set you free. God invites us to a rest on the Sabbath as a way of declaring that we are ultimately defined by God's love for us, not by what we produce. We, we must come to an understanding that God values us. He values us because we are what he has created for himself. And he takes pleasure in us. He values resting so much that he, engage, he engages in it. The very first story of the book of the Bible relative to uh, the commandments. The Sabbath rest is an opportunity to deepen our relationship with him through delighting in what he has made and letting him delight in you. It is also an invitation to know that we are ultimately defined by 
being beloved children of God and not necessarily God workers, if you will. Now, at the risk of becoming rigid, I want to address this honest expression of rest and then maybe compare and contrast it with some of the encounters that Jesus had with the Pharisees uh, regarding the Sabbath in the New Testament and with a practical way of being intentionally carving out space for a Sabbath rest in our life and in our family. The first step in practically engaging in Sabbath rest is getting rid of our narrow legalistic views of the day. Don't become a Pharisee. Don't become a Pharisee. And many of you remember a day in, in you know years ago when the Sabbath was practiced with all diligence to the point of extreme rigidity. Shops were closed. Right? All actions fitting any category of work stopped or frozen. There was no way of participating in anything like sports or extracurricular activity because that would be work. There are lots of rules not to break. Now, while this did keep the day largely open, it also became another set of things to carefully keep track of, right? It's the stuff we placed in a box, which snuffed out our life and our worship. It became legalistic. It became a chore. So this reminds me of the religious culture around the time of Jesus, when Jesus showed up in Galilee. If you remember, if you read the New Testament carefully enough, you will see Jesus messing with people's ideas for the Sabbath over and over again, right? You remember he was criticized because his disciples picked and ate the grain of corn on the Sabbath. When he healed people on the Sabbath, he made people downright angry because he was breaking their rule. And this was the chance when Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. We see that in Mark 2, 27 and 28. In other words, don't try to fit everyone into a one size fit all Sabbath outfit. That will drain the purpose to meet the needs of the people right out of the day. It will lead you to miss all kinds of opportunities for a more fulfilling life. And it will lead you to become a harsh critic of others. Rather, Jesus was saying, see the Sabbath as my gift to the people. A gift whose purpose is to restore you, to water your weary soul and the soul of others. The purpose is for you to remember that I'm God and you're not. It also tells us that God had a good life-giving intention for us by creating the Sabbath. And when we ignore it, we are proudly turning our backs on God's desire to care for our very real and human needs. And although there are a variety of ways he meets our needs, at its core is our need to find our life in him. God's commands, commandments, and ways consistently open the way for his kingdom to be recognized in us and around us. And Psalm 112.1 says, there is a life 
abundant life in his kingdom. So does John 10 and 10. The, the, the purpose is for, for the rest to bring us joy, refreshment. It is a way for God to, to stick his nose into our business or for maybe we to stick our nose into God's business, to get deeper, if you will. The book Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas uh, provides some helpful, helpful insights on how we can experience the life of God in distinct ways. He says, some people experience God most vividly in nature when they go for a nature walk. Others meet him more personally through worship music. And some people are more energized when they dialogue with other people about the things of God. And some experience his touch through serving others, you know, in a practical way, like in a soup kitchen or making sandwiches or something like that. And the list goes on and on. There are more ways to help people be present with Jesus than we can remember or that we can number. So discovering the ways you and those closest to you can meet and get closer to, to Jesus um, most poignant, poignantly uh, is this first step of your Sabbath. A Sabbath that gives and restores the life that God intended for you. Now I'll confess that I I run all the time to from this to that and, and I don't necessarily give myself time to to get deep in thinking about the things of God. In my family, I crave to include more downtime with the family. And, and this year, I probably am going to do more of that. More time to reflect on the goodness of God. More time to meditate on the word of God. And what it means for us in this day and age. More time to just rest and enjoy a dinner with Venice and eating at home or at a restaurant. And if it's just Venice and me, well, maybe we'll include some candlelight. You know what I mean? For 2024 and beyond, I, I would like to include a custom of speaking words of blessing and encouragement over our family and over one another. Sometimes we may talk about the Bible text and what it reveals for our human needs and as we find ourselves, our arrest in Jesus. I would love a rhythm of reciting well-known scriptures or maybe even a creed of some sort and find agreement with Venice together. I remember when our children were younger, they were always drawn to the stories of the Bible that we would read to them in a more beautiful way there. You saw their imagination come alive. And so now, now that they're older, when they come home for holidays, we have begun to spend like a, a kind of Sabbath with them. We choose a time. I'd like to... We, we've begun having like uh, picnics in, in the living room on holidays. And to make it memorable, we, 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 we spread out, you know, a blanket on the floor and we prepare a meal. Kind of like a Jewish Seder. Right on the floor of the living room. It's, it's kind of like one of our family rituals now. We reflect on the previous year. We, we write little statements of gratitude for what God has done. And we, we put it in the sock. 
And then, then we look back on it the next year. And then we also write things that we would like to accomplish by God's grace. That is kind of like a Sabbath. We're taking time during the business of the year, during Christmas or New Year's, whenever you choose to do it. And you are incorporating a, a, a rest time, a Sabbath time. When you think about the things of God, what God has done, and perhaps what you would like God to do in your future. Now that we're getting older, <clears throat> um, we will try to find ways of incorporating perhaps more exercise in the outdoors. We might take walks, hikes, or even bike rides. <laughs> Just some alone time with each other and some alone time with God. And, and perhaps we will meet Jesus in the splendor of nature. I, I don't know the specific shape of the rest we will adopt, but I do know that we will need to conform to the realities of our, sing, uh, our stage in life. The single goal being getting closer to the Lord. You know, I read I read of another family who began something similar. Um, it's kind of a Sabbath practice for them as well. They have three elements that is part of their Friday night to Saturday uh, ritual. The husband likes spontaneity, so they've designed a flexible structure to their day. So they say something like, during the next 24 hours, we're going to eat one meal together. No matter what we're doing, we're going to have one meal together. And then we'll have a time of, of all reading independently or together, but during the same time frame, a, a way of coming together. Maybe they're in different locations, but at the same time, they agree at 6 p.m. we're going to be doing this. And they found that creating this new space is a way that they can deepen their relationship with one another. It's encouraging them in their relationship with one another and with God. And at the same time, they're lowering their anxiety levels, right? My focus is figuring out a path to reflect and enjoy the blessings of God in a deeper way. So I want to rest more this, this new year. At this time of year, we are dreaming up, you know, resolutions and career goals and ways to accomplish new things and maybe facing honestly the weight we need to, to lose and making a fresh commitment to our finance, uh, finances and maybe financial wisdom uh, techniques of good stewardship. We do this with the hope of bringing uh, more of who we are to life. What if one of the best ways to come to life is to let go of our typical goals for that day or, or that week. What would it look like to approach the new year with a simple desire and a commitment to begin the year more prayerfully and intentionally, like we did a, a, week, a week ago, creating a space of rest in God, do it differently, or, or simply just being still in meditation or just ceasing our regular activities? What would happen if we took the risk that 
our life is truly found in a more intimate, secure, and trusting relationship with Jesus. A lot of the text in which Jesus confronts the Pharisees on their death grip of these rules of the Sabbath don't mean much in a culture that has rejected the value and practicality of deliberate rest altogether. We don't really practice it. I'm going to try to do better this coming year. We hope, uh, I hope that this new awareness of focusing more will, will, will give life to maybe new teaching opportunities to share a new perspective. Uh, I read in Mark three that, 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 that this man who had the withered hand, if you remember him, Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day and the Pharisees were outraged, right? Jesus said, the Sabbath is meant to bring life to people, not make them slaves to a set of rules. Mark three, verse one through four. So what we are going to do is to bring life to our families, right? Seek a deeper communion, if you will, with the Lord. And hopefully this acknowledgement of the Sabbath, an increased focus on it, which definitely comes from God. We see it in the Ten Commandments and how this rest bestows more to us. It will reveal more of God. We can truly, we can truly get to know God in the stillness of our mind. Many religious traditions practice stillness. Right, the the Buddhists do, they they do um like a like a chant or or a mantra. the The objective is to clear the mind and to be silent and to be to be focused. Right, there's some things that we can only know through stillness. Right. Stillness is a virtue as a virtue. It's, it's, it's not a, a concept that we we largely practice in our society, but there is wisdom in God's rhythm and work. And yes, rest. The psalmist David says, be still and know that I'm God. Jesus himself practiced the Sabbath in the midst of those who had turned it into an ugly thing. They turned it into a day of murmuring and, and finger wagging. And he reminded them of the day's true purpose. He said, it ought to be a gift of liberation. It ought to be an opportunity to heal an opportunity to feed people, an opportunity to rescue the perishing, an opportunity to celebrate and to lavish love on one another, to relish life abundant. I want to remind myself and ourselves of this and take a more practical advice from, this, from the Bible of restoring the Sabbath rest in our lives and allow God to refresh us. It doesn't necessarily have to, in my, in my mind, it doesn't have to be Friday night to Saturday as many practice today. It could be Sunday. But, but some time to hollow it and to set it aside 
for for God, for communion with God. Pastor Nathan used to always say, if you can't fast two or three or four days, begin with begin with stillness. Begin with quiet time is what he would say. Set aside some quiet time and spend that time meditating on the things of God. Maybe you maybe you read uh, a few scriptures. Maybe you you reflect on a few worship songs or or choruses are better. Just you know, a few choruses that that helps you to commune with God. And what you would find, what you would find is that your soul would soar to new heights. What you would find is that you would find a peace that passes all understanding. What you would find is this joy that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. I believe what you would find is the Lord extending his hand to you and say, come closer and I will give you rest. Amen. Amen. That's all I have for tonight. I, I, I know it's different. I know it's different. You don't have to tell me. I get it. But I, I feel like it's in the Bible for a reason. And I'm, I'm, I'm searching to find out what God wants us to do with this moment of digging deep and resting in him. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.